ask you a really important question. I want full honesty, all right? I got your attention. How many of you would consider yourself to be a patient person? It's okay if you feel like you are. You can raise your hand. You're not going to judge. I mean, I'm not going to judge. Somebody in here might judge you, but. <clears throat> okay. I mean, I. I mean, we know you're not patient, so I wasn't expecting you to raise your hand. <laughs> I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself a patient person either, although much more patient than I used to be, which that's okay, I think, by God's grace, uh, to come to those conclusions. But, but I, can, I could point to several of you and say, no, you definitely aren't a patient person, Kara. And um, no, did I say that out loud? <laughs> and I would know you're lying. Um, I think the evidence of a lack of raising hands, I mean, you're, you, I trust you're being honest, but I think it, it demonstrates what I was going to say next, that one of the hardest character qualities to learn in the Christian life and one that we actually never stop learning in this life is patience. And often, I mean, there's lots of things that could test or try our patience, but often there's two main areas of life where, where our patience is really tested or tried, and that is when you're dealing with difficult circumstances in life, and the other one is usually people, when you're dealing with people. And those are, are uh, especially two that really come to my mind. When it comes to circumstances, for example, sometimes the circumstance is so difficult and it just goes on and on and on and you, you end up being weary in it and it makes you feel like giving up, like uh, why try anymore kind of a thing. And sometimes we feel like we're at the end of our rope. There's no more rope left and I'm still slipping. Other times it's people. People can make us feel that way too because people are difficult. People can be hard to get along with. You can be hard to get along with, whether you actually want to believe that or not. It's true. Sometimes you feel like, what's the use? I'm tired of fighting with this person. I just can't take them anymore. Kind of a thing. <clears throat> Patience is one of the hardest things to learn and one we never stop learning. Now, I want you to look in James chapter 5, <clears throat> excuse me, James chapter 5 and the verses I want to draw your attention to are verses 7 through 11 because it somewhat deals with this idea and the message this afternoon is, is sort of a tag along to this morning's message um, in one aspect. It sort of relates to some things that Pastor Humphrey said this morning toward the end of the Sunday school hour about how we view our, our family in our church and how often, oftentimes we can develop a critical spirit uh, and that should not be inside of the Lord's church. And, and so it's a tag along to some of these other thoughts uh, that we've had this morning already. And I believe it's what the Lord would have for us this afternoon. And again, you could 
summarize the day at the end of this. Maybe I won't ask you to do that, but you ought to in your own mind summarize the day. What was it that the Lord spoke to you about or what were some of the main things? And I think you'll find that, that there's a particular thought and a theme that the Lord is using his word to speak to us about. And obviously we need to be more like Christ always, but a lot of times the Lord does that through particular things. James chapter 5, look at verse 7. The Bible says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth by, before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. I want us to look at these verses this afternoon and understand that we need this character quality of patience to be developed in our life. And the Lord wants to do that to make us more like Jesus is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us with your word again and teach us through it. Lord, may we be quick to apply in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing that I want you to see here is there is an admonition to patience. In verse 7, the first part, James says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Here's the admonition. You need to be patient. In verse 8, he says, Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Here's an admonition to patience. What is interesting about this word, patience, is that it's actually the, the comes from the same Greek word that is translated as long-suffering that you find in Galatians 5.22, which is the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. It's the exact same word that is translated as long-suffering. And so we're going to talk about that in just a little bit here. But let me say this first. Often, adversity becomes God's opportunity to begin to build character or to develop Christ-likeness in our lives. And we talked about this a second ago, but God will often use two avenues to accomplish that. Many times it's difficult circumstances in life, and many times it's people. And I think we find both of those here in this passage. We look at difficult circumstances. Look at verse 10. James says, take my brother. So he's using it as an example here of this thought. He's, he's using it as an example to teach this truth. He says, take my brother and the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen that the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. He talks, he's using the prophets and he's using Job as an example of, of, of difficult circumstances that, were, that came about in their life. Considering the life of Job, we don't need to take the time to go through all of it, but, but I think that you would agree 
that Job endured a lot more than what we've ever endured in our life. Much more than we've had to experience or to go through. Now, James is saying, brethren, you need to be patient. And you need to learn to develop patience, even in hard trials and circumstances. Like the prophets, for example, they suffered affliction. They were patient. Like Job, who went through all kinds of things, and you, you know the life of Job and so on. What's interesting about this word patience, though, besides it being the same word as long-suffering, <clears throat> it has a little bit of a different connotation to it in, 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 in this aspect. It means to be long-spirited. It means to forbear. Certainly, it has that meaning. But it is directly related to enduring these circumstances with cheerfulness. So it's not just enduring. It's not just going through. Like we all can go through hard times, but we can go through a hard time with a really rotten attitude, right? I'm enduring it. I hate it every step of the way. And my attitude is bad. My attitude is rotten, but I'm enduring it. This word patience deals with not just enduring a difficult trial or circumstance, but having a cheerful attitude in the middle of it. That is the challenge, right? Amen. Amen. Somebody's honest. Okay, good. It deals with the attitude of the heart. And James uses Job as an illustration. You know what Job went through. But let's go back and just take a peek at the attitude that Job often had in the middle of that. Job 13, go over there, hold your place here. Job chapter 13, in verse 15. I referenced this verse this morning in the 11 o'clock hour. Verse 15 says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain mine own way before him. Look at verse 18. Behold now, I have ordered my cause. I know that I shall be justified. What is Job going through? Well, he's going through the loss of his children. He's going through the loss of, of they all died. He's going through the loss of his property, his wealth, his health is gone. His wife turns against him. Uh, curse God and die, Job. Uh, he's like at the lowest you could go in without experiencing death. And death probably would have been easier. And in the middle of it, Job says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Look at chapter 19 of Job. Job chapter 19 and verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. What was Job's focus and his thought here was that, that 
that I know, even, even, even if I die and if I'm going through this, I know that I'm going to stand before the Lord. I'm going to see my Redeemer. And if you look at chapter 23 with me, in verse 10, note this, chapter 23 in verse 10, But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job even understood in the middle of this all that there was something more than just enduring this. But I'm going to come forth as gold, and I'm simply saying this. What an amazing attitude that he had in all all that he was experiencing. Here's the application. We go through hard trials, too. We definitely do. Nothing compared to what Job went through. Nothing compared to the suffering of the prophets. Nothing. But yet, how often do we let circumstances affect our mood and our attitude? Somebody say a lot? Because it's true. I thought I heard that, but that's true. How often does the circumstance impact and affect our mood and our attitude? I am a colossal failure when it comes to this. To deal with things, I can deal with things. But to deal with it in the right attitude, that's another story. Because sometimes we have this idea in mind of how things should go. And because God has not given me the thing that I'm looking for or or letting things go smoothly in my life, I either start to feel sorry for myself because of the condition I'm in or I start to snap at others and take it out on them because of the rotten attitude that I'm in or I start to blame God and get angry with the Lord. And the point is, is that there's just this rotten attitude about me sometimes rather than a joyful, edifying type of a spirit that is actually Christ-like, that the Lord wants to develop in us. When someone comes at you, what's the tendency? To come right back. When, something, when someone doesn't agree with me, in my position where I'm at, what's the tendency? To get aggressive. That's not the Christ-like spirit that the Lord wants to develop in us. And James says, Be ye therefore patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Be ye also patient. And consider the prophets. Consider Job. Consider what they went through. This is enduring but with cheerfulness. You know what? Trials are hard. There's no question about that. No one's going to argue that. But we're admonished to endure with the right heart attitude of trusting in the Lord. And why trust in the Lord? Because He is good. Look at verse 11. Go back to James 5. In verse 11. He says here, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful 
and of tender mercy. What was Job's end? What was the end of his life? The end of his life was that he ended up with twice as much as he had to begin with. He ended up with twice as much as he lost. What kind of a, what kind of a God is that? One who is gracious, who is pitiful, who's of tender mercy. What kind of a God do we have that he's pitiful and he's of tender mercy? And friend, he will often allow circumstances that are hard to bear. But as we discovered and as we talked about this morning, the reason is to teach us a valuable spiritual lesson in it all. But in spite of, and more than just teaching us a lesson, God never leaves us languishing in the middle of it. Never, if we'll seek after him. And you know what? Armed with that knowledge that God is always good, His way is always right. Yes, this is a hard trial. I understand. But God is always good. And God never leaves me languishing. God is there for me. Listen, armed with that knowledge of who God is and what His character is, that can help us to patiently endure and endure cheerfully, knowing that the end of this is something good that God has in store. That's the idea. And also, like we discovered this morning, sometimes things are just completely out of our control. Verse 7 talks about that. Look at this. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, look at this. See this. The, uh, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it, until he received the early and the latter rain. How much does the farmer control the rain? None at all. There are things that he can do. He can prepare, he can plant the seed, he, uh, he can cultivate the soil, he can dig it up, he can plant the seed, he can do all he's supposed to do, but there are things that are still out of his control. He cannot control the rain, the early and the latter rain. What does he have to do? He's got to wait. He's got to wait for it. He's got to be patient with it. He can have some sort of expectation of what may come, but the rain is not in his control. And that's something he needs, right? So sometimes there are things that are just out of our control. And we've got to wait on the Lord, and we've got to endure patiently, cheerfully, waiting for the answer. Look at the answer, verse 8. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. What's the answer? To trust in God, to be patient, to establish your heart. That word establish means to set fast. It means to make stable the answer is, I'm going to trust in God. I'm not going to waver from this. My heart is set fast on the Lord. So, sometimes difficult circumstances, God uses to develop the character quality of patience in our life. And not just to endure, but He wants us to be like Christ and enduring cheerfully, having the right attitude in the middle of it. The second Avenue is often people, and we find that in verse 9. Verse 9 says, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. 
We need to be patient with people, too. And the truth of the matter is people can be difficult. You can be difficult. Not to me personally, but in general. To somebody, somewhere. If we think about it, it won't take us very long to have a particular person in mind <laughs> that is irritating to us because we find them to be difficult. All right, everybody think about it for just a second. Instantly, somebody comes to mind. I see people like looking across the room. <laughs> Instantly, somebody comes to mind. It doesn't take long to come up with somebody, a particular person, that irritates us to some degree because we find them to be difficult. Why is that? Because people are difficult. But you know what? God can use all kinds of people to build us and to grow us. And none of us are perfect. None of us have the perfect personalities. We all need our personalities developed more into more Christ-likeness. And especially when it comes to living with and dealing with people, James says, grudge not one against another, brethren. And when I say there are no perfect people, everybody's like, oh, yeah, duh. We all know that. We know there's no perfect people. But we also need to understand that that is a two-way street. Right? There's no perfect people. That also means that I'm not perfect either. Say, okay, well, we know that. Everybody knows that. But here's the thing. So often, we will use the excuse of, well, I'm not perfect as, as an out. We'll use it as a, what, what do I want to say? We'll use it as a, something con <laughs> excuse me, convenient for cutting ourselves some slack, right? Well, I messed up. I irritated somebody else. I, whatever. It's a problem like, hey, nobody's perfect. Right? And it's a means or a form of cutting ourselves some slack because there's no perfect people. But often we reverse that when it comes to other people. We'll skip over the fact that others aren't perfect either and we don't cut them the same slack that we would cut ourselves. You messed up and I'm going to let you know about it. In fact, I'm going to lay out the details because I took notes. We have a perfect memory when it comes to, to how other people mess up, but we seem to lose our memory when it comes to the things that we do. We tend to have a critical spirit. That was said this morning. And it's true. We can. But what is the root of a critical spirit towards other people? The root of that is that we have a higher opinion of ourselves than we ought to have. When we have a critical spirit towards other people, we are often operating on a very hypocritical ground. We're often operating with a double standard. What do I mean by a double standard? Well, we judge other people for their failures and the mess-ups that they have and we'll sit in judgment over them to some degree while overlooking our own faults as if we're better somehow. Here's where it gets even better. 
People are like this sometimes. I know I'm like this sometimes. If somehow my fault is being highlighted or my sin or my failure in some way is being highlighted by somebody else, what is my tendency? My tendency is to get defensive. Because the thing that is a fault or a shortcoming about me is now being highlighted or exposed by somebody else. That's pride that wells up, that causes me to get defensive. And, and the thought might be, well, who are you to talk? You're not perfect. Or you're being so judgmental. And you know what? That's nothing more than hypocrisy. It's not always easy to be patient with people because there's no perfect people and people can be difficult. But patience with people is the prevailing thought here. James says, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Why does he say, lest ye be condemned? Because you're not any better. And you're sitting in judgment where you have no right to sit in judgment. Only God has that right. Well, the right attitude that we ought to take is something like this. Yes, there are no perfect people. People mess up, but so do I. I'm not better than anybody else. And if it wasn't for God's grace in my life, I would fail most miserably. And I have before. That's the attitude that we ought to take. Now, we don't overlook sin. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about that. We're talking about our attitude toward people. And listen, if our first response is to write somebody off or to judge or to condemn because somebody's fault or failure or their misstep or the tendency is to judge people's motives for things... That's a big one. We assign motives. Oh, I know what's going on. I know why they did that. No, you don't. You might think you do, but you don't really know. Only God knows. And we might be right, but it's the attitude of heart that says, oh, I know why they did that. You might be right, but your attitude's wrong. You see what I'm saying? That's not the attitude of Christ. I want you to look at some of these words and their meanings here. The word patient, again, we talked about what it is. It does mean long-spirited. It means forbearing, and it has the idea or the connotation of, of cheerful. I told you it's the same word as long-suffering. That's interesting because aren't you glad that the Lord is long-suffering and patient with you? The same word is used a multitude of times in the Bible illustrating how God views and deals with people. 2 Peter 3.9, God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Aren't you glad the Lord is long-suffering? The definition of patience means long-spirit. It means forbearing. If you look up the definition of the word forbearing, and we talk about being forbearing with people, the definition of the word forbearing is to be long-tempered. To be long-tempered, it's similar to long-suffering. 
but it means to be long-tempered. And if you talk about it or think about it in terms of being long-tempered with people, why? Why should we be long-tempered and patient with people? Because people make mistakes. People aren't perfect. People sin. They'll often rub us the wrong way. They'll often irritate us. They'll often say and do things that are different than our way of saying or doing something. But where in the world does that give us the right to develop some critical spirit or to grumble and complain about people or condemn them or to sit in judgment? Where? It doesn't. It doesn't give us the right. How do we then combat that tendency if that is the tendency? Well, we've got to realize this. We've got to realize that our way of thinking, our way of doing things is not the only way there is. Realizing that, and listen, like, listen it's one thing to hold a standard of truth, okay? My standard is the Word of God. I'm going to stand on this. I know I'm right, not because of me, but because this is what the Word of God says. That's one thing, okay? That's something that's okay. I will proudly stand on the Word of God because God is the authority. God's Word is the authority. It's a different thing altogether, though, to have an attitude of, like, I'm right, you're wrong. My, my way is the right way. Your way is the wrong way. You don't agree with me, you're wrong. Especially when it comes to opinion. Right? Which we all have opinions. Nothing wrong with having an opinion. But if we'll just realize that my way of thinking is not the only way of thinking that there is. But we get so ingrained in that. We get so ingrained in our way of thinking that when we come across other people who think differently or who do it differently, all of a sudden it's like there's this conflict and I'm right and you're wrong. They're the enemy. You know what I'm talking about? And we'll stand in self-righteousness like I'm the, this is the right way. We, we can have, I have a tendency to do that too. I think what I'm saying is that if we realize that we are not special and have the right view of our own failures and sins and really the right view of where we came from, where did the Lord bring me from? And where I am today, it's not of me. It's only by the grace of God. It, that helps us to combat the tendency. We can, we can stand in self-righteousness all the time. That leads to being critical of others, and it leads to not seeing ourselves for really actually how awful we can be. Pride is the root of that. We still should be able to treat others right and have the right kind of attitude, the attitude of humility, rather than sitting in judgment over them or having a rotten attitude toward them. What is it that causes us to have a critical spirit? Thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Thinking we're better. Now notice another phrase. He says, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. This gives us some perspective here. 
It gives us some perspective of duration. How long should we be patient? How long should we be patient with other people? Unto the coming of the Lord. In other words, there's never a time when we should stop being long-suffering or patient or learning this. As long as some things may seem to go on in our lives, like trials, for example, they seem like they're never-ending. Like a cycle of sickness that everyone's going through seems like it's never-ending. The truth of the matter is, it actually is going to come to an end. It's going to come to an end when the Lord returns. And it's sooner than we think. Why? Because verse 8 says, Be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. It's sooner than we think. Time is insignificant compared to eternity. Therefore, so is the difficulties that we face. And so the Lord says, hey, it's not forever. Be patient. Hang on. Unto the coming of the Lord. We looked at the phrase, establish your hearts, in verse 8. Again, it's, it comes from a word that means to set fast. It means to turn resolutely in a certain direction. And we need to understand this principle, and we need to get it down in our life. It gives us great perspective for circumstances and dealing with people. Sometimes those circumstances seem to be miserable. But it doesn't mean that we should be miserable in the middle of it, or with a miserable attitude, rather. And I'm telling you, I'm speaking to myself here. But I'm pretty certain that this applies to you, too. Because you're people. Some people are so controlled by their feelings, and at times I am too. I wouldn't say that I'm normally a person who's completely controlled by my feelings. But there are definitely times when I am controlled by my feelings. But some people are so controlled by their feelings that when the circumstance is bad and the circumstances go wrong, so does their attitude. And I think I might fight that a lot more than I want to admit. And what happens? When my attitude goes wrong, people start walking on eggshells around me. But that's probably the case with you too. And what we need to do is heed the word of God and ask the Lord, help us. Lord, help me to not be so moody, not be so grumpy, not have such a bad attitude simply because this is not going the way that I want it to go. And when I catch myself doing that, you know what? I do feel bad. I feel like, man, I'm being such a baby. Stop being such a baby. Suck it up. Snap out of it. That kind of stuff. That still shouldn't cut myself slack on that, though. What I need is the Lord's help. I need the Word of God. I need the Spirit of God to develop this in me. And if we're walking in the Spirit, the heart, the heart can be established. We can have the right perspective towards these things, and we can be so much more stable like Christ. Look what he says in verse 9. He says, grudge not one against another. The word grudge 
It means to murmur. It means to groan. It means to sigh. To murmur against one another. It's easy, really easy to nitpick. It's really easy to find fault. It's really easy that, why? Because there's so many problems. It's so easy to find fault. And it's so easy to nitpick. And we can sit around and we can talk about that. And we can just tear people apart. We can tear people down. And not even know what we're doing. But we're actually murmuring. We can find the faults. We can find the flaws. We can pick them out so easily. But that's not really what the Lord wants us to be doing. I have found this to be true in my life. That if I keep myself busy, I'm involved in the work of the Lord, my mind is focused on the work of the Lord, I don't have time and I don't have a desire to start finding faults and nitpicking. I don't want to. I don't need to. I don't have time for it. Because I'm busy serving the Lord. Amen? Amen. <laughs> we got really quiet in here. I think if we are more consumed with developing a relationship with Christ, and we're more consumed with, I want to love the Lord more, I want a better relationship with Him, we don't find that we have the time or the ambition to start grumbling and murmuring about other people. And I think, I think Pastor Humphrey mentioned it this morning, and I think he did a, a good job. He mentioned it well. The perspective of what we have in a New Testament church and the great blessing and the privilege it is to serve with Jordan and to serve with Seth, I'll skip past Lisa. No, I'm kidding. I've never picked on Lisa, so that's the first time. Yay for me. Yay for me. The great blessing it is to have you as my brothers and sisters and my family in the Lord. When you're not here for a while and you're gone, you start to realize how special these people are what I'm missing. But when we're here and we're all in, in, in everybody's business and we're all up in each other's lives and all those kinds of things, oh man, it's super easy to start finding fault. It's super easy to start nitpicking. It's super easy because you irritate me. Because I think I'm better than you. <laughs> but with some perspective, like, man... What a blessing the Lord has provided. And we get that perspective as we pursue Christ and our relationship with Christ grows. I don't have ambition to start tearing you down or to start nitpicking at you. I don't even want to. Why? There's plenty of things to nitpick about me. I know you've done it already. We just need that perspective of Christ's likeness and patience and long-suffering and grudge not 
one against another. If we criticize, but we never offer any real solutions to other people, we never want to get our hands in the work, we just want to sit back and criticize. Grumbling and complaining and stewing, that all leads to other things, other sins in our life. And we need to keep the right perspective here because he says, grudge not lest ye be condemned. It's a two-way street. And then he says this, and I think this is really interesting. Behold, understand this, the judge, the real judge, the only one who has the right to judge, he's standing at the door. He's ready to come. He's ready to come right in. And guess what? He knows not just what my fault is, but he knows what yours is too. And I think that gives us some perspective here that we need to be aware of the fact that it could happen at any time. And how is the Lord going to find me when the judge walks through the door? Amen? If we walk in the Spirit, if we pursue after Christ, the fruit of the Spirit is going to be produced by the Spirit in my life. One of those fruits is long-suffering, patience. And we can be learn to be patient with each other. We can learn to be patient in circumstances of life. We can endure cheerfully. And in the end, the Lord is going to find us faithful. I think that we are going to have a lot more regrets standing before the Lord than we think we're going to have. Not regret, I mean, we're going to be saved, praise the Lord. But the regret may be in that I wished, I wished I did a better job of serving Him and loving Him. We truly are going to give an account for our life, and it ought to motivate us, the fact that the judge, the real judge, is standing at the door and he's coming soon. How's the Lord going to find us? James says, be patient, brethren. Endure cheerfully. Be patient with people. Be patient with circumstances. Let Christ develop this character quality in us. May the Lord help us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, use your word. Thank you again for it. Thank you for its admonition and its instruction. And Lord, I pray that you would work in me to make me more like Christ. Lord, to be more spirit-filled, spirit-controlled in response to hard things in life. And we find periods of time where that's all we go through is trouble or trial, it seems like. We feel like we're surrounded by it and it's one right after another and it can be defeating and it can be discouraging and we might endure but we just don't have the right attitude in it and Lord would you grow us in that help us learn to trust you more that your character is always good and you have spiritual good in store in these things and I can trust your heart and it establishes mine 
it strengthens mine. And then when it comes to dealing with people and living with people, what a privilege we have to be a part of a New Testament church. And the Lord has set each one in the body as it hath pleased Him. It's by divine decree. And help us to see one another for the blessing that they are and how the Lord might use them in our life or the Lord might use us to bless and edify them. And may there be less and less of the tendencies of the flesh so that you might be more and more magnified in our life. We love you today. Thank you, Lord, for the day. We thank you for your word. And may we be people who are quick to apply and to be doers. In Jesus' name, amen.